Welcome to Brewing Theology. I'm your host, Tier Hardy. Each episode of Brewing Theology is an opportunity to consider practical ways to begin brewing or to continue brewing a faithful life using theology and practices for real-life Christians. If it's complicated, I'll do my best to explain it, and if it does not work for real people, then we simply won't talk about it. Now, let's brew a life of faith together. Would you pray with me? Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, O God, in the reading of your word, that we would hear what you have to say to us here this morning. May your Holy Spirit be poured out upon us through Jesus Christ. Amen. This past week, I was killing time. Really, I was procrastinating because it's the end of the semester at Wesley Theological Seminary, and I didn't want to do the papers that I had to work on. So I found a cartoon that had been circulating around Twitter. It was a how-to guide. The cartoon was an instruction manual for how to find something to watch on Netflix, something that's probably helpful when you're trying to procrastinate. So here it goes. Step one, you settle into the couch with a tasty beverage. Easy enough. Step two, you scroll through your options. Step three, you watch The Office again. It's a pretty accurate cartoon, though. It needs one exception. Instead of watching The Office again, you should do what we do in my house and watch Friends again. If you've been living under a rock and never seen Friends, Friends is a sitcom that takes place in the late 90s and early 2000s, following the lives of a group of friends living in New York City in their late 20s, early 30s. That awkward time in your life when you're trying to be an adult, but you're not quite ready to be an adult. They share milestones together. They endure heartache. They go through countless iterations of Ross and Rachel, Rachel and Ross. And ultimately, they grow out of their urban friendship as life takes them to new adventures. If you've not seen the show, you would not know that in one way or another, each of us fit into the mold created by one of the friends. Each friend on the show has a specific role in the cast, and at the same time is influenced by the good and the bad of the other friends. Allison would argue that I am Ross, but I adamantly disagree and think that I'm a mix of the fun ones, of Rachel and Joey. Now, I would definitely peg Pastor Mac to be Ross, Pastor Ed as Monica, and well, we all know the obvious mold that Pastor Jeff fits into is Phoebe. It's hard to imagine friendships as a starting point for the theological relationship between the Messiah and the disciples. Theologically speaking, I can make a better argument with words like sin, justification, repentance, and even born again. But Jesus had a different plan in mind. In all of my time in seminary, friendship has not been a theological concept or requirement of discipleship that we've ever talked about. Love is one of the most used words in the New Testament. It's also a word that is overused today. The verb to love in Greek is philo. Let me hear you say philo. Philo. 
is where the Greek word philos, let me hear you say philos, philos is rooted. Philos means friends. Friends comes from love. The reason I pegged Ed as Monica is because like Monica, Pastor Ed pays attention to details. And for us this morning, it's a good thing that Pastor Ed pays close attention to words. So the detail that we cannot overlook this morning is that when we are talking about the ultimate relationship between God and another, we are talking about the verb of love, which can be understood as one who loves. This connection between love and friendship reframes what we know about and how we live out our friendships. For us as disciples of the one who first loved us, friendship is the starting point for how we should expect to interact with the divine. Without love, all of our theology surrounding God doesn't matter. Friendship, like it does today, was an important cultural function in the ancient world. Ancient philosophers saw friendship as a key social construct. Aristotle noted that friendship served then, and we could argue still today, serves three basic functions. The first being useful friendships. Those are the ones that we form with co-workers or the parents of our kids' friends. Since we're going to spend a lot of time together, it would be useful to know one another slightly better than we know the person that we pass on Metro each morning. Next, there are pleasurable friendships. These are the ones where the shared life we have with another creates a pleasurable experience that we want to mutually replicate. In this scenario, the experience must be mutual. This is relationships like your BFF, your spouse, or your partner. And the third, the third function of friendship that Aristotle noted was friendship for the sake of friendship. And this is the hardest to form, but once established, this is where friendships can be expected to last a lifetime. And this is where our friendship from Christ begins. Friendship for the sake of friendship in this way, Jesus is both the model and the source, no agenda just one who loves us. Throughout the Gospels, we follow the journey of Jesus and his disciples, and we follow it as a teacher-student relationship. Jesus is the rabbi, and the disciples are obviously then the student. But from the beginning, their relationship was different. The, the disciples did not approach Jesus and ask to be taught, as was custom in first-century Israel. Instead, Jesus called each of the disciples by name to join him, reversing the process for establishing the relationship. But Jesus takes it a step further by living a life of ideal friendship. The pattern of his life along with his victory over death embodies the, and gives promise to the words we heard this morning, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. The disciples were witnesses to these promises. As Jesus not only taught about the kingdom of God, but as he also embodied it. We heard just a few weeks ago on Good Shepherd Sunday, as Jesus declared that he was the good shepherd, leaving the gate open for all to join his flock. 
Jesus will be present in our lives until death, unlike the hired hand he spoke of who will run as soon as danger is present. Even at his arrest, which would eventually lead to his death, he steps forward to accept the kiss of Judas, protecting his flock voluntarily. This was friendship, and the resulting love was offered freely and without hesitation. One of my favorite episodes, all-time favorite episodes of Friends, involved Joey Chandler and Ross riding in the back of a NYPD detectives cruiser. They, they weren't arrested or in trouble yet, but they were doing a ride along with Phoebe's boyfriend. At one point in the episode, a loud bang is heard and Joey dramatically falls onto Ross in what appeared to be an act of self-sacrifice. And in that moment of apparent self-sacrifice, their relationship changed. Joey's apparent willingness to take what was thought to be a bullet for Ross created a new bond between them. And the bond remained until it was revealed that Joey was not protecting Ross and instead was protecting a sandwich when he heard a car backfire. While in the act to save his sandwich, Joey did protect his friend Ross, but the agenda of the sandwich it changed things. Loving one another without agenda, loving as Jesus did and does, is perhaps the most radical thing written in our Gospels. Friendship without an agenda enabled Jesus to lay down his life for his disciples and for us. It is a love that spans the test of time, because we're still talking about it 2,000 years later. It literally changed the world. It was a love that can be replicated and embodied by his followers still, but, but requires that his love be acted out in our lives. And that's where things get complicated. Because while we might want to think of ourselves as Joey saving Ross, more often than not, we are Joey saving his sandwich. Our actions had loving effects, but the agenda that initiated them was not self-sacrificing. Instead, they were to preserve what we had placed a high value on, the thing other than the one that we call friend. The words of Jesus are an invitation for us to re-examine the cavalier way that we refer to someone as friend, the way we love someone. Are they a friend because it's a useful friendship? Are they a friend because it's pleasurable? Or are they a friend for the sake of being one who loves? In the moment of Jesus turning the relationship he had with his disciples on its head, and in turn changing our relationship with him, we can stop asking questions like, what would Jesus do? You can see that there's a 90s, 2000s theme here this morning. Do you remember those bracelets? The question, what would Jesus do, was on a bracelet, and every kid and youth group had at least two, and every youth pastor, youth director had a drawer full of them ready to hand out. But that question, what would Jesus do, is off the table. It's off the table as we see the rising of Christ after the brutality of the cross. And in that light, 
it's now less about what would Jesus do and instead now more about what Jesus did. When we read the Gospels in this light, looking for the active and not the hypothetical, we see that Jesus acted decisively in love as a friend. We see that Jesus lives as one who loves. When we examine what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, things like sin, justification, repentance, and born again, those things are replaced with the commandment to take seriously our friendships through freely given love, without counting the costs, without keeping score, without placing limits, because that is how Jesus loves each and every one of us. In Christ, friendship is perfected through the act of love, freeing us to join the new life rising from the friendship only possible through perfect love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Brewing Theology with Tear Hardy. If you like the podcast, I invite you to head over to iTunes where you can leave me a review or you can subscribe to the podcast. Also, head over to my blog, www.tearhardy.com. There you can sign up for my weekly wrap-up where I send you a curated accounting for this week's happening on the internet. Blog posts, sermons, and other podcasts that I think could help you in brewing your life of faith. Grace and peace.